Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everyone. I welcome you, my listener from 44 countries around the world. And today I am super excited to introduce Tristan Champion, my guest from the 13th country around the world. Tristan Champion is working as digital marketing manager in an international company. He is a 36-year-old French father married to a Norwegian wife. His engagement towards gender equality started when the family decided to move from Paris to Oslo. For the birth of their second child, Tristan experienced the Nordic model of longer and shared parental leave that contrasted with his French experience of 11 days of leave for their first baby. Tristan started to blog about his new everyday life, five months alone with his baby. Baba Papa blog found strong echo within young French parents. He step-by-step analyzed the strengths of the Norwegian model on gender equality, wrote many articles and a book, La Barbe, et le biberon to raise awareness of the Norwegian model of which he became an expert. He initiated the creation of a group of French engaged fathers that acted as lobbyists to influence the French government to reform their paternity leave policy. Welcome to the show, Tristor. Thank you for inviting me. So great to see you, Karin. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming. Now, Crystal, um, we have a lot of people listening to us from all over the world. Could you tell them, please, where you're calling in from and if there is a particular site or food that they should be checking out if they were to go to your area? <laughs> of course, I'm calling in from Normandy in the west coast of France. Normandy is known for uh, the World War II, for the, the D-Day when, when the Americans <laughs> came in. And so I'm not so far from those beaches where you can uh, have a nice time in family time. And the best thing that is from Normandy is a cheese and called the Camembert that is worldwide mm -hmm. famous, as well as the Calvados, which is a liqueur made with apple that I strongly recommend. A uh, very, very lovely region to, to visit <laughs> and uh, uh, very nice weather at the moment. I love cheese and literally I actually mentioned Camembert the other day to my children because they had not heard, heard about it. So interesting. <laughs> now, um, Tristan, you are the author of the book and it's in French, so I will try my best. It's La Barbe et le... Biberon. Yes. Um, and, and it is translated into English, the beard and the bottle. Could you share with our listeners 
your professional background and what made you write this book, please? <laughs> yes, for sure. So uh, uh, my professional background is uh, in marketing and digital. So I am working for an international brand called Nespresso uh, at the headquarters at the moment. And I'm leading what we call the CRM department, Customer Relationship Management. Uh, so um, uh, my main role is really into marketing uh, and uh, digital communication. Uh, and I uh, have to say that um, the, it is within uh, this role and this uh, environment, this uh, professional environment that have written my book that is strongly connected with uh, a lot of uh, uh, anecdotes and um, stories that happen in the job market and in my job. But the, the book is about uh, parental leave. And actually, I wrote this book when I was working in Nespresso, but in Norway, in the north part of Europe, uh, where I had a very uh, different experience that I used to have when I was living in France uh, before. Uh, so, um, uh, if I can just explain how the book has been uh, has been uh, has been uh, built and and written, it all started when uh, uh, I moved to Norway with my uh, with my wife. Uh, she's Norwegian, and we met in Vienna, by the way, in Austria. We are what we called in Europe. We call the Erasmus family. Erasmus uh -huh. <laughs> Erasmus is an exchange program for students in Europe in order for us to, to study abroad so that when I was in France, I could study uh, in Austria and she was from Norway and studied also in Austria in Vienna. And that's where we met. And then we, we decided to, to, to live together and she spent five years in France with me. And after five years, we decided to, to move to Norway. We had our first child in France and then the second, we had it in Norway. And that's when I discovered the difference on what it is to be a father in France versus to be a father in Norway, that I suddenly decided to really write about the Nordic model and the Scandinavian model because uh, when we touch uh, about the gender equality and the job market and differences between men and women, mother and father, we all know that uh, we hear that the, the Nordic, the Scandinavian countries are always best in class, number one in, the, in, the market, in, in all of the ranking. And I was from France and I knew that they were advanced uh, and I was about to experience it for real, you know, like really uh, from the inside. What, what, how, how come it is so different? And it is extremely different than what I have uh, experienced in France. And uh, it was really astonishing for me when uh, my second, our second child were born and her name is Nora. And then suddenly I was able to, to have a five months of parental leave fully paid by the state. Um, uh, the, a period during which I would take care of my, of my child, uh, which was completely different from the French uh, parental leave where I had only 10 days and then had to go back to work right after. So this is a starting point of my engagement on gender equality is this uh, parental leave policy in the Nordic. And um, I started first with a blog called Barba Papa, 
<laughs> which means uh, I'm not sure if this is uh, this name echoes somehow uh, uh, the listeners of this podcast. But uh, Barba Papa is a, is a cartoon, but it's also in French. It's a candy that you give to the child uh, just to please them. Uh, you, um, and uh, usually it's very sweet and it's pink and big and it's made with sugar that you turn into the, you, you see, it, it's really, really good. And uh, I gave this name to my blog because when you move to Norway, as a French father, you see a lot of Norwegian guys, two meters, very big, very, <laughs> lot of tattoos, a long beard, long beard, very, very, uh, uh, how I can call it like uh, masculine in a way. But uh, surprisingly, all very uh, caring with their children, taking a long leave to take care of them. And uh, the first thing that I did when I moved to Norway is also to, to, to have a long beard, <laughs> long beard so that <laughs> I could look like them. And of course, I, I could also take care of my baby like they were doing. So I, I was working for Nespresso and... Uh, Uh, when the second child was born, I was uh, asking my manager to take five months of parental leave. And this day was a big shock for me. And that's the day I decided to really blog to say, hey, this is what it is here to be a man in Norway versus in France. Uh, so um, the, 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 the point of being, uh, uh, of, having a, of, of being able to take so long parental leave was very different to me. And one thing that was different was the fact that in Norway, it's not only longer, it's not only fully paid, but it's uh, the, the, the father or the second parent, to be more correct, is taking the leave right after the first parent. Not during, not at the same time, but after each other. Meaning that the woman or the, my wife was starting and then I was continuing it. So it doesn't mean only that you are taking care of a kid, but you are taking care of your kid alone on your own. You are fully accountable, responsible of the education. Uh, and I, I didn't have any families, not my mother, my sister. So I really had to take it on myself. I have no one to cheat with to, to support me in a way. So um, all of this uh, accountability and responsibility was very different from my French experience and I started to blog about it and to tell all of the stories that I had of being alone with my child uh, on, during five months. And one thing that probably was totally astonishing for me was uh, the job market because I was so afraid of taking five months leave for my career because I, in my culture, in the French culture, Nobody is doing that. None of my colleagues, not my my fathers did not do that. My my brother neither. None of my friends, cousins, or colleagues stop so long to take parental leave uh, and to quit their job uh, more than maybe two weeks. So to do that for me it was very difficult because uh, I thought that um, my manager would perceive me as less uh, concerned by my work. I thought I would uh, somehow damage my career. I was also asking for a promotion at the same time. And I thought that my five months of parental leave could be a barrier to this promotion. 
And I was, by the way, experiencing what a lot of women were experiencing. <laughs> and uh, for me, it was new, but a lot of a lot of the followers that I had just say, hey, this is what we have as women. It's our daily life, so it's not really new. But I think it was somehow new because for a man, even though it can be debatable we can agree or disagree but i find it even more difficult because it's not the norm for me it was not the norm so when i started to blog about it about parenting uh, i was afraid of that none of uh, future employer would like to have me because i'm talking about my personal life with my kids it it shows some indirect <laughs> uh, signs that i'm not so interested in the job maybe and um for women, I feel uh, it's maybe only a perception, but it's more accepted. Uh, it's natural that they live three, four months uh, one after they gave birth. While for men, I find it a bit more difficult because when, as you have the choice, somehow it's you as a man that is actively doing the choice not to go to work. I'm not sure if I'm clear, if you see what I mean, but for, for me, it was very difficult in that sense. Uh, and I was helped by the fact that in Norway, it's completely the norm. 70% of Norwegian fathers take at least three months of parental leave. So it, it's in a way, um, I was reassured by that, that I'm doing like everybody. It was very important. And uh, that's, uh, that's, that made the decision much, much easier to go to the office of my manager and to ask for five months of parental leave. So that's how the blog started. Just uh, in your face, five months parental leave of a Latin guy that is not used to that. Uh, and uh, I was afraid, huh? I have to be honest, I was afraid because what, do, what am I going to do during five months? Uh, it's not everyone that is used to take care so long of a kid. As I, as I told you, I was alone because my wife was going back to work. So I had to, I had to in a way, um, uh, find a lot of activities uh, and not to get bored. I had to be able to do, uh, uh, to take care of a kid 100% of my time, uh, respecting all of the diet, the sleeping, uh, and uh, making sure that uh, the, my kid was growing correctly. So it was also a lot of pressure in a way. Uh, so it was not so easy to make that decision, uh, especially that in Norway, uh, the system is quite flexible and egalitarian because uh, the, 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 the couple can still decide how long uh, they will take of parental leave. You, when you have a child, you have 10 months that you can share as you like within the parents. But you have some rules. You have a, a quota of three months for the mother and a quota of three months for the father and four months in between that you can choose. And I took uh, two months. Uh, my wife wanted me to take <laughs> two months of the four that we could choose plus three, meaning uh, we would have a 50-50. We, we are splitting the parental leave. Um, so that's how it started. And um, uh, I started to, to tell my daily life with, with my children and all of my stories were step-by-step uh, step, uh, shared in different media, such as the Huffington Post that have some 
uh, that give possibilities for bloggers to, to share their story on their media. And a lot of French um, media also were interested in exploring this uh, Scandinavian model through my experiences. And something that I found extremely powerful in the, in the Norwegian system is not only that we are alone as men to take care of the kids, so of course, it has a strong impact in terms of gender equality and uh, domestic care. And, 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 and it's, it's really a game changer when you think of how can you give more balance between uh, professional and personal life. But also, they, the Norwegian make everything for you to not be bored during that period. And you have a lot of activities that you can do as a parent with your children, with your child, uh, in order to meet other parents, meet other babies during that period. So in my case, uh, the, the, the municipality of Oslo, where we were based, uh, the capital of Norway, offer a lot of places where you can go every morning with your child in order to uh, meet other parents. So that's called the, the public kindergarten in a way. So that's where every month, every day you can go and meet other parents that are like you in parental leave. So you can meet them. Uh, you have uh, a lot of uh, forests and mountains in Norway. So there is a lot of organizations that are arranging um, stroller trip in a way. So you, you, you go with your stroller and your baby and you do two or three hours walk in the forest. And then uh, you make your, your child uh, eating and... Uh, uh, it's very, very friendly. You have um, possibilities to go to church to, to learn some children's song with, <laughs> with some other parents. You have even the museum that are arranging some time for special visits for parents in parental leave so that you can have a special guide for yourself. You have a baby swimming class, baby yoga class. Uh, uh, you have so many opportunities to meet people. It makes the period not only social, mm -hmm. but also entertaining. And uh, this was a very, uh, very, very uh, different from what I was expecting. And it, and it really helped me to enjoy my time with my child, with other parents. So I was very positive about this. <laughs> about this uh, model, the Scandinavian mm -hmm. model. And uh, I was definitely uh, more and more uh, sharing stories about it, blogging about that, to inspire the rest of friends, my, my colleagues and my friends in France, in order to tell them, hey, another model is possible. We talk about gender equality. We talk about that we, as a man, we, we, we tend to work more and to go back to home much later, and then we are not doing so much at home compared to our wives, our spouse, our partner. Uh, another world is possible. And it's just there, two hours flight from Paris. It's, it's, and it's not like, it's not impossible. And, um, and uh, I'm continuing not to talk, uh, Karine, just because, I, uh, uh, but tell me if we need to, if you have a specific question or if I should just continue. Oh, oh Tristan, please continue. It is so yeah. fascinating. I'm just sitting yeah. here and I'm listening because it's, it's amazing because, you know, and to your point, I think this really hit at home. It's a 
plane ride and the world is 180 um, degree different and and it's within Europe as well right and it's it's just and it's sort of like a, a completely a different mindset and on how to approach the early days of having a baby and um so now what one thing I'm curious about are there um like you know what would you say the percentage or are there even like um <clears throat> you know say daycares for um parents that bring their children back earlier or is it literally that it's pretty much everybody who takes off from you know um you know going to the office mm -hmm. for the first 10 months of their child yeah the system is is made so that you you don't have any public care or child care or kindergarten ah. before the child turn one year interesting okay yeah it's an investment decision from the state mm -hmm. they say the norwegian state say we pay you 100 of your salary to take care of your kids right in the, in exchange we don't for sure they will not invest in facilities because it will be a double investment for them right. so they say they, somehow they save money on one side to give it to the parents on the other side i would i, I see it that way so that when you start uh, uh, to ha when when you become parent, you have these ten months paid at hundred percent. You can choose uh, twelve months paid at eighty percent. Right. And the state tell you, uh, uh, we we guarantee your full salary. It's uh, there is up to six thousand euro a month. Mm -hmm. So still a good uh, good coverage. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you need to wait a year to get. To get to, to put your children in, a, in what they call the kindergarten, so you need in that perspective you, you don't have any alternative choice. And if you want to continue working, uh -huh. you need to pay a private. Uh, you need to to go to a private system, and uh, very very few parents are doing that uh, because it's very expensive and because yeah. it's not culturally accepted. Yeah, it's more when you are an entrepreneur, when you are liberal, when you. Yeah, of course, for, for this kind of right. uh, uh, jobs, you need to somehow uh, find alternatives. Right. Because that, that, that would be my question. I completely see if you're in an organization, but what if you are by yourself or, yeah, yeah, that's. And, and so now, um, I mean, it, I think it is such an interesting model. I, I truly think. And yeah. And so my question is then, um, how are the colleagues dealing with when, say, somebody is five months um, not at the workplace? How well? How do um, companies cover? I'd like to say first that it's so cultural mm -hmm. in Norway that yeah. um, it's part of your role as manager to face that because you know that uh, whether it's a woman or a man. Right. Uh, they might, if they become parents, they might live from three to six, seven months. Right. So it's part of your daily life as a manager. So first, culturally, it's really different versus France where, uh, I don't know why, the manager suddenly says, oh my God, she's going on maternity leave. I need right. to replace her and right. find solutions. No, no. For them, it's, it's part of the daily life. So, mm -hmm. so, so 
so it's integrating in the culture. I'd like to remind that this policy uh, has started in 1990, mm -hmm. so 30, 30 years ago. Right, so, right, so right. For, for a manager, it's, it's, it's usual. Uh, and uh, the process in place are very, uh, in my case, at least in my company, were very clear. And uh, my manager told me, um, because we need your skill and uh, we, really, we, we will really need someone to replace you. I had, I was accountable, I was responsible, I was in charge of replacing me. The manager asked you six months in advance so that you, you, you tell them right in advance, can you please support me in uh, finding a candidate that will replace you, in term, with you for your job? Mm -hmm. That you can train this person, you can uh, you can make sure that uh, this person will be uh, fully operational when you are on leave, so that this person will not disturb you when you are on leave. So they the, the you become also very uh, involved into your re replacement because you want this time to be as perfect as possible. And um, that was the case in my uh, in when I, I I had to when I was leaving for five months, I found someone. It took time, but we anticipated a lot. Uh, in Norway, it's very very important to give uh, very uh, as much as possible the information that you are going to be parents in advance. That that's a key successful criteria of your of of your replacement, mm -hmm. so that you have time to find the right candidate. Um, people see it not as a, as a challenge, of course, sometimes it's complicated, but most of the time it's really, it's expected. So, so there is no drama. I have to say that you hear some stories uh, that are a bit different because sometimes companies don't say it uh, publicly, but they can pay double the, uh, the it's not legal, but they, they do that. They pay double the men so that they don't take the leave. And they pay, uh, yeah, it happens sometimes. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, so that the, the parents can pay uh, for a nanny during the, the parental leave. It's not socially accepted, but in some cases, uh, because of uh, the expertise, it's uh, difficult to find. They, the, the, the companies are doing that, and it's not legal either. Right. But uh, you hear some stories here and there. Wow. Even in Norway, it's not always right. 100% clear. Right. Yeah. But what I, you know, listening to you, what I find so, um, you know, enlightening is that, as you said, the expectation is that whether a man or a woman, at some point, they will take a leave because of having a child. And so in my mind, when you when somebody hires somebody, there is already then a, a reduced sort of unconscious bias against a woman because they're like, oh, okay, it's going to be, you know, either might be taking a certain amount of months off for parental leave, which I think is awesome. I really think because I really feel that it helps from the beginning of when one hires people to, you know, be more equal about it exactly i i mean like potentially you take i would say this i i say it in bracket the same risk in a way if you hire a woman or a man because 
I, I was away five months and I even have a colleague who, uh, who became mother and only took four months of parental leave. So right. you, you, can, you, can, you, you cannot discriminate based on gender, even though statistics show that still a lot of women take more of the shared parental leave uh, because, of course, uh, they are breastfeeding, uh, they, have, uh, they gave birth, so they, f- yeah. they need more time for some of them. Then it's, it's an individual then decision. But conceptually, the system is less discriminating than in the rest of Europe. Yeah. So I find it very powerful. And uh, uh, what also uh, uh, were very surprising for me is that uh, I started to deep dive into different uh, reasons of the why and the who is supporting that. And even the, the, the union for employer, so not for employee, but for employer, which is uh, quite big in Norway, it's called the NHO. Um, even there are strong supporters of long uh, and shared uh, parental leave because uh, they absolutely want um, uh, the woman not to, to be away from the job market and they, want, they need women to work. In Norway, uh, the differences between uh, men and women in terms of uh, percentage of active worker is very limit, is very small. Seventy-eight mm-hmm. percent of men work, seventy-five percent of women are working. Wow! It's uh, yeah. only three points difference. We have eleven points difference in in France, even more in other countries. It's extremely um, egalitarian in that way. Yeah. And also um, um, a research in Sweden that have a similar si- system have shown that every additional month that a father take on parental leave is indirectly increasing a woman's salary of 6.8%. Wow. Uh, it's a study from 2010 from the Swedish government showing how important it is to balance uh, parental leave because uh, uh, difference in salaries doesn't really start uh, after school, after university, but it really accelerates when we become parents. That's where we see mothers uh, being a little bit more interesting in the private and personal life, either by choice or by necessity. And men don't have to, to necessarily leave the job uh, earlier or whatever and then they they start to 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 increase the salary gap versus women and that's why it's important the shared parental leave policy and i became a big activist on that question uh, when when i i experienced it myself because i was also seeing the positive part for my wife yeah my wife suddenly was taking care of more responsibilities in her work when i was taking care of my of our children Right. It's visible in a way. And, and, you know, and this is an interesting point I wanted to ask is like, you know, you said earlier that, you know, you were basically feeling you were going to do this completely by yourself because you didn't have like, um, you know, female relatives or any relatives um, with you in, um, in Norway and you had not experienced that before. So what 
type of skills that you feel are transferable soft and business skills did you feel you learned during your time of parental leave? <laughs> the first one is probably planning, <laughs> the planning part. Um, we, we often talk with my wife that as such, um, doing an activity with a kid or with a child is very easy, or even with a baby, it's easy. Uh, giving uh, food, changing di diapers, all of this is easy. The difficult part is just, respect is just planning and anticipating because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not the same when you need uh, five days a week on your own to have a planning and an agenda of what you are going to do every day and make sure that you have the food, the, the milk, the diapers, the changing clothes, uh, the pacifier. I forgot now all of the things I had to do in, when I was uh, in Norway, but right. the planning and anticipating, I had a lot of, uh, I, I think I gained in skills during that period and I could really uh, relate into that when I, going, I was going back to work because uh, of course it's, uh, it's something that uh, uh, is helping uh, managers in their daily life. The second one uh, is patient. I was suddenly becoming very patient, uh, which was not so much in my personality. And relation to time has changed. It's okay to be slow. It's okay to take time. It's okay to um, uh, it's, it's it's okay to enjoy long moments. To uh, to take the necessary uh, hour to eat. To, to bath, I, I was suddenly in, less into rushing mode, but much more accepting that slow life is good life. And um, this I think is important also when you go back to the job where everybody is stressed for very, not always, not always for good reason. And yeah, somehow you take distance, you see a bigger picture. I think it, it was beneficial on that one. And then the last one probably is also um, for me, uh, I saw women differently when I came back at the job. I have to say that before my, this experience, when I was uh, working with a lot of women that became mother, when they were back of their maternity leave to work, I found them a little bit boring, talking about their children. Uh, like it was not interesting for me. <laughs> Suddenly they were uh, talking uh, at at the canteen uh, about, I don't know, diapers, uh, uh, difficulties that they had. Uh, and I, it was very far from, from me and I, I didn't find this very interesting. And now I'm really, really paying attention to all of this discussion because I think they are very important that can be a demotivating factor of, uh, of you at, at the work. So uh I'm, I'm always a little bit more carefully uh, uh, behaving with with with, young, with mothers back from maternity leave, making sure that uh, yeah they find the right space at the right time to, to get back on board. So that, that also tends to change me at the job. That that is so interesting, Tristo, and so important because I feel often people still associate unpaid care work 
as being something that only mothers can do. And so the fact that you went through that experience yourself and you can relate and understand and and appreciate, I think, you know, if we sort of scale up your experience, like on, you know, on a, on a bigger picture on worldwide, it would make such a difference from a like entire gender equality perspective, just from that aspect of understanding what it was like, what it felt like, what maybe initially somebody, yeah, as you were saying, you know, talking about diapers or these situations might appear boring or not something you can relate to. But now you remember, I'm sure, situations where you felt very similar or that things that from the outside might seem like, well, how, I, I mean, to be honest, I remember before I had kids, I was like, well, how hard can it be? You know, <laughs> the kid sleeps, you give them something to eat, you have like some diaper changes and that's it. And then when you are actually going through it you're like whoa yeah this is quite different and then it's <laughs> yeah. like and then I feel you know it it doesn't matter how much you tell somebody that your life will change and that it is different the I think it's the moment the child is there and one the the um acknowledgement and and you know realization that one is 100 percent um um, responsible for another human being, I think that stress is, especially when the, the child can't really say if something is wrong with him or her, is to me something that is like so underestimated before one has the child oneself. True, fair, yeah, completely agree. And uh, being uh, exposed uh, to that was... Uh... A really a game changer. And so, you know, I would love to go back to our earlier question. So, you know, you wrote the blog, you experienced yeah. your life in Norway, taking care of your child. And how did you then decide to write a book? And oh, by the way, I would love to see the book in English one day because... Yeah, my French is not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope we'll find a solution in uh, to find it to have it translated in English. It's selling quite well in France. So, if there is any English publishers that are interested into the the translation of this book, don't hesitate to contact Karine or, or, or myself. Uh, a lot of I, I'm I have a lot of English speakers that want to to write the book in English. So, for sure, we can make it happen one day. Uh, um, actually, if you imagine that I had five months of parental leave, I was blogging every day, writing a lot of articles, uh, doing some videos. I had the French media coming to Norway to film myself and to to explain uh, to explain the Scandinavian Scandinavian system. Then I had also started to influence the French politicians for them to take inspiration of the law, of the Nordic law, to change the French law. I, I did lobbying. I did a lot. And uh, suddenly, voila, I had to go back to work and normal life again. And I say it's a pity that all of this work that I've been doing, this research, these uh, stories, um, these meetings with different specialists of parental leave, it's a pity that I cannot make a book out of it because then it could... It could be a nice material 
to influence even of a, on, a, on a, a different audience that people following your blog. And I just wrote on my blog, I'm looking for a publisher. Uh, and uh, three weeks after, one month after, I heard a publisher calling me. Uh, this is a hot topic in France. Parental leave is being debated. The Scandinavian are known for being advanced. So the publisher told me, like, I, I didn't have, I, I just say, I have 100 articles in my blog. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of research. I have a lot of media that can relate, can um, advertise and, and, mm-hmm. and talk about the, the book when, when it should be published. So I, I didn't even have the story. Huh? <laughs> and they helped me to build the story of the book. Uh, that's, um, uh, I, I wrote all of by myself, but they had uh, very good people to make the transition, to help you. In, it was a very, uh, a very good exercise to, to do with them. So that's how it, it went from a blog. Uh, just an, I published an article looking for a publisher, and then uh, seven, eight months after, we, we managed to produce a book. That's amazing. And then talking about your advocacy in France about the lengthening of paternity leave. Could you share with our listeners what has happened since then? Yes. What happened is that I started to promote parental leave together with a lot of other people in France, uh, some other fathers, association, organization, also uh, a lot of uh, companies in France, in France create did what they called the parental act, which was to give uh, several weeks for the fathers when they, when they become parents so in order for the job market to be a bit less unequal or more equal. So a lot of different individual, I would say, um, uh, individual initiatives uh, done here and there in France to talk about, to, to promote parental leave, but nothing big and concrete to really influence the government. So what um, I did is that I wrote different tribunes. I met and I called the, the, the minister. I offered them the, my book. I explained and I was invited to the government to explain in detail the parental leave system in Norway. Wow. And then I could also, uh, with 10 other fathers that were also active in France, we decided to write a very big uh, what we call a tribune or an article mm-hmm. to say to the government, now it's time to change because uh, the law, the French law of, power, of paternity leave started in 2002. So it's 20, it was 20 years old. Right. And France was quite late versus uh, many countries such as Portugal that has four weeks of paternity leave. Spain started to extend from four to eight and to 12 weeks of paternity leave. The Nordics, as I said, are much more advanced. A lot of European countries were moving and France was not. So we wrote an article to, with an hashtag uh, minimum one month. Uh, and uh, because we were 10 bloggers, influencers, called that had a lot of partner, a lot of network with the media and the politics. We, are, we were doing big noise with this uh, article. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Macron's government said that uh, gender equality was one of the most important topics of, uh, of, 
of his uh, five years um, government. Mm -hmm. They, I think it was one week after the article, we published the article that they started to make the announcement uh, to say, okay, we hear, um, we, we heard a lot of companies, we heard a lot of mothers, but now we are also hearing the new generation of fathers mm -hmm. that want the change. And I think the fact that the fathers right. were talking about it was new because this topic is really owned by women today. Right. So the fact that it was young fathers from the new generation experiencing wanted to change, it made the, the government move quicker. I think they wanted to do it. They would have done it probably maybe in six months, one year, but then they really changed and they said, okay, let's double the paternity leave from 14 days to 28 days. That's what they did, mm -hmm. which is okay. And I like to say it's a good evolution, but not a revolution. Like it's a change, but it's not a revolutionary change. It's not what I wanted to do uh, because I would have preferred them to take inspiration of like very, of the Nordic model with right. parental leave. But uh, you cannot ask for everything. I mean, you, well, you have to be pragmatic. And what I liked a lot is that the French, I felt we were hurt because the French government decided that the paternity leave could, the 20 days, could be taken uh, whenever the father wanted to, up to six months of the baby. Okay. So that if you want to take it after the maternity leave, a little bit like the Norwegian model, you can do it. And I think it's, it goes in the right direction and that you can be listened when you do blogging and that you it just start with uh, some stories and it finishes with influencing government. It's a good sign that we can all individually <laughs> influence. And that, yes. <laughs> that's cool to, to have this as a possibility. You don't need to, you, you don't really need to, uh, it makes things possible. That's what I wanted to just to say. Uh, and, um, uh, also, when we, I was invited by the United Nations that's to, to talk about my experience, I realized that even from their perspective, from the United Nations perspective, uh, when they invited me uh, to talk about it in the Generation Equality Forum, together with people from government from Mexico or, or, or Canada or, or the US, for them, they also value the work that you do as a blogger, as a podcaster, as an influencer to change the gender norm. And uh, having the blessing from such an organization that we influence, we act, we make a change was also a very big recognition and that uh, I was very honored that they, they, they value the work that is done by by, by a lot of fathers like, like me uh, in, the, in the change. I thought that was so awesome when I saw that, that you were, you know, at, as you said, the Generation Equality Forum. And because I think it is so important from my perspective, we need more father role models to make other men realize that it is possible that it is, as I said earlier, anybody can do care work. And the more 
positive role models there are, the more it will hopefully inspire other dads and other organizations and governments around the world to make that change. So I'm super appreciative for all the work you have done, Christophe. Thank you, Karim. And one thing that I didn't say in the Generation Equality Forum, and I take advantage of having you today, uh-huh. that, that is from Norway, that I wanted to, when they asked me, what can we do to change uh, uh, and to make male more accountable for care at home? One thing that I discovered in Norway, I don't know if you have it in Canada, in the US, is, uh, is men's quota. Um, I, I don't know. You know, g- gender equality started with, uh, with having women's quota in politics or in board in order to create uh-huh. a role model for a lot of women. And I think this policy has worked quite well because today it's right. more balanced, it's more healthy. You see talented women everywhere. It's, it worked. Mm-hmm. But, but the other side of the gender equality to think of in industries or sectors where men are underrepresented, yeah. why don't we have men's quota? And Norway has introduced some of this already um, in the daycare of my, of my children when I was living in Norway. Uh-huh. Uh, it was men working there. Wow. And they had, uh, they don't say it's quota, they had objective of 10 to 12% of men working in daycare right. nationally, so that it's not only women that, right. that take care of the, of, of the baby. Uh, I, I was reading an article in Norway that, uh, because I'm part of an, an organization that's called uh, The Men in Kindergarten, that was shocked because 1,000 uh, kindergarten are not re- uh, employing men, and for the for the Norwegian it was a big shock. But for many, for, for a lot of countries, it's just like this for <laughs> all of the kindergarten. But for Norway, the fact that mm, in some cases you cannot even have a man taking care in a staff of five, seven, eight people uh, taking care of children in age from one to five is not normal. You should have this representativity also at the beginning of the life because that's that's also the role model that you give. Absolutely. I mean, thank you so much for mentioning this, Christophe, because when I talked a few weeks ago with Abda Gak, who is one of the co-authors of the um, um, State of the World's Father Report, and, um, you know, where Gary, the CEO of Promundo, which is the organization that wrote this, was also at the Generation Equality Forum. It was so interesting that in there they were saying that, A, it will still take at least 92 years to get, with the current rate of change to get to equal unpaid um, care work and that they have not really found a country where it is actively um, you know, having a timeline and a policy to get there. And then um, they couldn't really find anything where it was promoting similarly to the STEM program, the opposite for boys, care and um, education profession. So, so to me, this is, you know, I had not heard about that men's quota, but that goes right 
along the um, actions that um, um, Promundo um, is suggestion, suggesting to have to happen in order to get more, um, you know, towards a, um, you know, a gender equality. And, and I also feel simply from a, um, you know, children's perspective, if a boy or a girl sees a male um, preschool teacher, that is to them a normal thing to do. Uh, you know, it's normal, right? Versus if they only see female um, preschool teachers, they might never think that that could be a potential job option. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, and not only that it could not be, a, it could be an expected job for them, but also the expectation of the father at home when you have men taking care of you is very different. Even for me as a father, when I knew that my boy was in a school where other men were taking care of him, I also wanted, then first I was really connected into that school because I was talking a lot with the men of the school because I don't know why, but naturally it's easier sometimes right. to talk to men. That's, that's how we are done. But also the fact that if my boy has some uh, role model right. in school, I also want to be a role model for him. I don't want to disappoint him. And I think this way of thinking hasn't gone through yet uh, in many countries. We yeah. are still seeing gender equality. And that's also what sometimes I feel um, uh, lacking in the UN Women Forum, for women, for girls, is that it's still a, a lack of looking at it from a men perspective. Because, yeah. I find it was not enough men in the discussion. Sometimes we, we were maybe two or three men in 100 speakers. And it's a pity because diversity brings value. And um, uh, the, the Norwegian uh, experience for me yeah, is really astonishing in that way. Even the University of Bergen and Oslo in social science, because they were had too many women and not enough men students asked officially for quota of men because you trade value by the diversity. And right. um, um, we, need, uh, we need more of those ideas to make the big change in the, in the world. And we cannot only think about women's quota. We now need to think about men's quota. That's, that's the next step. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more because I feel often the emphasis keeps on being we need to change women. We need to. And, and people forget that if you don't change the other half of the world by <laughs> making more opportunities for men to do unpaid care work, to be more involved in professions that are focused on, you know, education, caring it's not going to happen. And that's one of the reasons, to be honest, why I have you on the show and other um, father advocates, because how else is it going to happen, right? So that's, yeah, so I'm super appreciative. That's so interesting. I will, um, I think I will write one or two articles about it, uh, uh, because I feel uh, it's a new territory that we all need to, to look at. And also, I feel um, when we look at research and uh, an impact on gender equality, on norms, on 
on new rules. We don't necessarily grasp everything by research. You don't grasp the fact that I was, like I was saying that men's quota is not only about the number of men, it's also the fact that what is a man at a kindergarten impacting around him, exactly. the children, the father. But even in, in the case of Norway, what I found completely game-changing as well when I discovered these five months of parental leave is that young male, young boy, uh, or teenager, or 20, 22 years old boy or man, they know in no way that when they are going to be fathers, they are going to take care of their kid at least three months, four months, five months. They care. They care about children education already at that age. Contrary to my French teenagers that don't care at all because it's not part of their system. Right. And this kind of stuff, I'm not sure, are really assessed properly by the statistics. And I think that's why it's important for governments to dare changing and to, to take a bit of risk now with new policies because having 40, 45, 50% of women in government, it's, it's not the topic anymore. Now we need to change a bit the conversation, I think. But um, very appreciating that you, you support the idea, Karen. Yeah. Well, it's been so nice to talk to you, Trista. So now, is there anything that we have not covered yet that you want to make sure our audience hears? No, I think I, I talked too much. I covered a lot, maybe uh, a little bit in a uh, um, different perspective, but I hope that uh, it gave people the willingness to learn about the Scandinavian model. Uh, to for those who speak French to, to visit the blog and to see how it is a, to be a man there and um, all in all I'm very appreciating that you give this opportunity uh, through the, such podcasts uh, to for men uh, to share openly uh, uh, gender equality topics I think it's very important uh, I think we, we should talk more. I don't think uh, that it, it's so much, uh, um, uh, how can I say it, like, as I said in the beginning, it, it's not going to kill your career because you talk about that. It's, it's okay, right. it's safe. It can even uh, make you a, a more appreciated manager because you are human. There is no danger in in, uh, in sharing uh, every uh, opportunities and challenges that you have as a, uh, that, that are covering the gender equality topic. So now I just wanted to make sure that people know how to, you know, find your um, work and, um, you know, online. What, you know, social media platforms can they find you? So I have a blog on WordPress called barbapapa.blog. Mm -hmm. um, I have a Facebook page, barbapapa. I have an Instagram, barbapapa. And on LinkedIn, Tristan Champion. And, uh, and uh, that's a good start. 
Okay, that's what I will do. I will put that all in the show notes and I will also put the link to your book so anybody um, who speaks French can read it. And maybe at this point we could do another shout out if there is anybody listening who is a publisher for an English speaking um, organization because I would love to read the book in, in English one day, yes. Thank you, Karim. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Tristor. It was really, really wonderful. Thank you. What a wealth of information and so many thought-provoking ideas and examples. One of the things that really stood out to me was when Tristor was saying, another world is possible, two hours flight from Paris. So I would like to leave you with some thoughts and questions. For example, do you know anyone who currently is on paternity leave? How did they decide that they were going on paternity leave? Is it an extended paternity leave? Did they have role models? In your country, in the care and education profession, do you know many male professionals? And if so, have you ever spoken to them to learn more how they decided to go into this profession and what they would like to see to maybe have more male role models, more male professionals? And then lastly, in your own organization, are there role models? Are there senior business leaders? who themselves have taken extended paternity leave and how is care being talked about in your organization? Are people concerned by taking parental leave that it will hinder their careers? Or by contrast, are people returning and the transferable skills that they have learned are emphasized and utilized to help them grow further in, your, in, in their career. And finally, is in your organization the expectation that at some point during their career, anyone is going to take some time off for care work or caregiving? Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye!